And that's it. Let's yield to the Holy Ghost for just a few moments. Let's yield to the Holy Ghost. Praise be your wonderful name, Jesus. Praise be your wonderful name. I worship you. I exalt you. I magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be your wonderful name. Praise be your wonderful name. I love you, Jesus. I give honor to the elder of this congregation, Brother Hart. Uh, he's been so good to me, him and his family. Um, I love them and I appreciate them. I said this in the last service and feel to say it again, but I think, I think every single one of individuals in this church, this is a praying church. And unfortunately, uh, you don't feel what you feel in this place in every church. So you ought to be thankful for what you feel in this house. Um, I've I've come in here, I wouldn't say countless times. I've been here a few times to this church building. And I mean, it's just, I love how, how easy it is to get in the spirit. And I believe it's because this church is a praying church. Amen. And we want to seek the face of the Lord, not just pray, but seek the face of the Lord. Seek what he wants, what he likes, what he desires. Amen. Yeah. I want to direct your attention to Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. When you have it, you can say amen. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Thus there came men unto me. But I wist not whence they were, and it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, and the men went out. Whither the men went, I want not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. I want to speak to her for a few moments on the topic, the determination of Rahab. The determination of Rahab. You can put your Bibles aside and one more time, close your eyes and lift up your hands. 
and open up your spirit to the Lord that he may speak to you something specific. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we open up our hearts. We open up our spirit, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you may speak, God, what you will and what you desire. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise be your wonderful name, Lord. You may be seated. The word of the Lord speaks about this interesting encounter between two spies and a harlot named Rahab. The Bible gives us an understanding that God had promised something to Abraham regarding a specific land that the people of his lineage would go and possess. They would go and conquer. And so it is even now in this portion of scripture where the Bible says that Joshua, the son of Nun, he's sending two individuals, two spies. This was a land that had been promised to the people of Israel. Moses and his leadership uh, capacity and ability that had been that he had been anointed with by God had led them to a certain point but now Joshua a new generation had to arise and take on the responsibility of leading a people into the promises of God and it surely wasn't gonna be what we would consider easy but it sure it was a sure thing that God was gonna be with the people of Israel. He had promised, therefore, it was going to happen. The Bible says Joshua sends these two individuals and they come to the house of a harlot, the house of an individual that was full of sin and perversity and all of these things, darkness and lust. The Bible says that they came into the house of this woman and she hid them. She hid the messengers of God. Why? All up until this point, we don't really know. And verses after we understand why she did this. But she opened up the doors, the door to the messengers of Joshua, to the spies, individuals that were going to go seek out the land. And lies to the king of Jericho. She literally betrays her people and opens the door for a new people to come in. She lies to the authority of that region. She lies to the one that had authority and dominion in that region. Tells them to go after them to a place that they surely weren't there. Well, the Bible says the reason why she hid them was because she had heard and understood how the Lord was with the people of Israel. And she said that we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. You must understand all up until this point, they, there hadn't been much conquering going on. They had only left a place called Egypt. But this woman understood there is something different about these people. There is something different about this group. 
that the Lord God Almighty dried up the Red Sea for them. The Lord God Almighty is doing powerful and mighty things amongst them. She understood that there were kings that were destroyed. She said, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. It's very interesting to realize that all up until this point, she had heard, she had never encountered some uh, an individual from the people of Israel, but she had only heard what their God had done for them. It wasn't much of the people, but it was the fact that God was with the people. And not only did she receive the messenger, but she received the message. Brother Hart was correct when he said many times we're so focused on looking at the vessel and we limit God. And I do believe that. I also believe that a man of God, a messenger, should, should be pure-hearted and genuine before the Lord. And so were these men doing what Joshua had told them to do. And she understood, I have two options here. Either I destroy the messenger that is carrying a message, or I'm going to open the door to the messenger and receive the message. I'm going to allow the message to continue its course, not only within this area, but within my life. I'm going to have a determination in my mind that I'm going to allow the message to do something in my life. This woman had lived such a life that she understood the darkness that she was in. One of the greatest things of the people of God is that they carry a holiness about them. They carry a separation about them. They're different from all these people. If you study what Jericho was, it was a place of perversion. It was a place of darkness. It wasn't just the fact that they were conquering a city or they were conquering a land. It was the fact that holiness and morality were going to be triumphant over perversion and over the wickedness of the area. It was the fact that light was going to prevail over darkness. She heard she heard of the people of Israel. She heard of this group of individuals. Rahab, the harlot, had a name. The harlot had a name, Rahab. It's interesting to know, I mean, there's portions of scriptures that we never find out the name of the individual. But with this specific woman, we know the name. There was a determination within her. The messenger will stay in my house. And I will receive the message. That it doesn't matter how dark my life has been all up until this point. I've heard of a God that can dry up the sea. 
I've heard of a God that can destroy wicked kings. I've heard of the Lord God Almighty that can deliver people out of Egypt. What an amazing testimony to see other people and look at their life and say, man, they used to be drug addicts and they used to be alcoholics and God delivered them out of Egypt. God delivered them out of that bondage. God delivered them out of that slavery. And Rahab in her heart said, I know you've been delivered from Egypt. Could it just be that I can be delivered from Jericho? Could it just be that I can be saved? I know, I know, I know that one day every knee is gonna bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. What's in the heaven and the earth and under the earth? They're gonna bow down their knees. They're gonna say that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But can that king, can that God save me? And he saved me. She understood. And she told the spies, I know that the Lord had given you the land. And that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Faint also can be understood as melt away. Her heart. The heart of the people. You see, it's very interesting because I believe that there were other individuals that could have been allowed the opportunity to also enter into the family of God. But they lacked a determination that they were going to have to betray everything that they knew. They were going to have to let go of everything that they knew. They were going to have to release certain ideas and certain concepts. They were going to have to repent before the Lord, which literally is a change of one's mind. Literally a change of ways, a change of thinking, a change of concepts, a change of ideas. And Rahab had to understand, I've been knowing all these people. I know who these people are, but it's come up. It's come a point where if they serve God or not, I'm going to determine within myself as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The determination of this woman that in the darkness of the hour, that in the darkness of her life, she had to make a decision. I'm going to betray everything that I ever knew. And I'm going to allow to, to allow the Lord God Almighty to also do something in my life. If he can do it in the Red Sea. If he can do it against wicked kings. If he can allow the people of Israel to leave Egypt. I can also receive something from this God. I can also receive something from this God. <clears throat> you know, I was, I was in Israel not too long ago. And uh, I loved it. I had an amazing experience. And obviously, we talk a lot about the Bible when we're there and things that happen. And we got to the place where it is believed 
that the demoniac of Gadara was, where the demoniac of Gadara had been delivered, had been healed. I always heard it taught and I always heard it preached and I always believed that there was only one demoniac of Gadara. That's how I've always heard it preached. And that's how I've always heard it taught. And so I begin to read in different accounts in the Gospels this same story. The same story of the, of the demoniac of Gadara. Well, the Bible in one of the Gospels says that there was two demoniacs of Gadara. And if you realize in the scripture, the reason why they were in that area was for the sole purpose of not allowing anybody into the city. It was a principality of the region. It was the walls of that region in the spirit, not allowing righteousness and holiness to enter into that place. And so these demoniacs come to encounter Jesus. And in two gospels, it gives us a little bit more of the description of what happened with one of the demoniacs after the Lord delivered him. It came to the point where the Bible says that this demoniac told Jesus, well, I want to go with you. Let me get on the boat with you. I'm trying to go wherever you're going to go. And Jesus tells him, no. You go and tell your people what has happened to you. And I begin to realize that the description of this deliverance and what happened after is only attributed to one individual. Well, what happened to the other one? What happened to the other individual? Why did two apostles find it important to just describe the deliverance and the ministry of just one of these individuals and not the other? I believe it's because there was such great determination in this one individual that said, I'm not just going to come worship you. I'm going to completely be delivered and I'm going to do something for you. When the Bible says that the demoniac comes and worship Jesus, it literally means the definition of that word gives us an understanding that it is when a servant kneels down before the king and grabs his hand and kisses the hand of the king. Because not only did it recognize his healing and delivering power, but it recognized his lordship and his authority. It recognized that this God Almighty, it wasn't just another God. It just, it just wasn't another spirit. He was full of spirit. He was full of what many would consider little G gods. The gods of this world. 
he understood within himself this is not just a, a, another God this is the God of gods this is the Lord of lords this is the king of kings and I want to have an encounter with the king of kings and the Lord of lords and I'm gonna acknowledge his lordship and his kingship in my life and we never hear about the other individual could it be, and I'm willing to talk about this, but could it be that we can have the same opportunities as other people? We can be in the same presence as other, in the same presence of God as other people. And only a few get delivered. And only a few get set free. Not because God can't save the other people. It's because there wasn't a determination within the mind and the heart of those individuals who say, I'm gonna be delivered. I'm gonna be set free. Last night I spoke a little bit about the human elements when it comes to salvation. We understand that we are saved by grace. We understand that we are saved by the power of God, by the saving power of God. But there's a human element to the salvation that one receives because the Apostle Paul says that work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the Apostle Peter writes and say, says, save yourselves from this untoward generation. It means that there has to be a determination and a mindset and saying whatever happens and whatever goes on, whatever comes my way, I am determined that I am going to be as close to God as I can I'm gonna be as close to God as he himself allows me to be I'm gonna be determined in my spirit it doesn't matter what people say I'm gonna go after God with everything that I have everything that I have you know I found it very interesting I was studying the story of the woman with the issue of blood the bible says she had this issue with so for so many years she hears about jesus and goes and says if i can only touch the hem of his garments well she stretches forth her hand and there's a lot there's a lot into this story you know there, there's just it's so rich the word of god is so rich in these stories and uh the Bible says that she stretched forth her hand and she was she was she was healed. Well, Jesus begins to turn around and says, I felt virtue flow out of my body. I was like, Well, you know, we understand that the Spirit of God was in the man Christ Jesus without measure. The fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him bodily. I mean, he had it, it was the Spirit of God literally inside of the human vessel. And he's saying, I felt virtue flow out of me. And it interested me. It just jumped out on me. It just, what, well, what do you mean you felt virtue? We talk about power all the time, but we don't really talk about virtue flowing. We talk about the power of God moving, but we don't really hear about the virtue flowing and moving. I was like, Jesus, well, what are you trying to say here? Obviously, he did it in his human mind. He didn't, he 
didn't know who, who it was. And the disciples tell him, what do you mean who touched you? There's people bumping you all over this place. You're rubbing shoulders with a lot of people. And in this certain circumstance, you now say you feel virtue flow out of you. What are you talking about, Jesus? Because it could be that Jesus in his power walk around the church building and only within a few virtuous begins to flow in them. And I begin to study, well, what is this word virtue? And some would describe it as the force that is pressed upon something. I can have power in my hand. And if I want to hit something or somebody, they're not going to feel the power in my hand until I exert force. And so the Spirit of God works in a similar way. Where the power of God will begin to move in a service, in a prayer meeting or whatever. It looks where the Spirit of God begins to move in the power of God. But you through your faith have the opportunity to cause that power to exert force upon you. Am I making sense here this afternoon? I've seen it. The Spirit of God bumping shoulders with people in the service. And they feel the goosebumps. They feel the presence of Jesus. But the virtue is not flowing yet. Why? Because of the determination of the person. What are you willing to do? Not just for Jesus to walk around you and feel his presence and feel Jesus bump shoulders with you. I mean, Jesus wasn't bothered when walking amongst the crowd. He was not bothered. It was okay with him. We don't see him complaining. We don't see him saying anything negative. The disciples even highlighted the fact that you're bumping shoulders with them. You're touching them. And you're not saying anything about virtue flowing with them. But in this specific circumstance, all of a sudden virtue flows. Why? Because there was a determination and a faith in a woman to say I've heard about all these other spirits I've heard about these other doctors but I'm coming to encounter the God of gods the king of kings and the Lord of lords I'm extending my faith towards the spirit of God that is moving in my midst and then virtue can flow And then virtue can flow. You know, it's interesting because then I started in this journey of virtue. The Bible says that they would bring the sick, the lame, the ones with, disease, with, with sicknesses. They would bring them out to the streets that when Peter began to walk by the shadow of Peter. The shadow they would, be, they would begin to be healed. They experienced a miracle. Well, we obviously understand that Peter had the power. 
He had received power when the Holy Ghost has had come upon him. Yes. We understand that a bunch of all the apostles had the power. Jesus had the power. The saints of the living God, we have the power. But only in certain occasions do we see. I'm telling they bring they bring people. Peter never touched them. It was just a shadow. Why? Because the power that was in Peter would begin to exert force upon the people that had faith. Upon the people that believed. I'm going to receive a miracle from God. I'm going to receive something from God. It wasn't much of who Peter was. It was the message and the spirits that Peter had inside of him. That it could not stay just inside of him. It had to exert force upon the individual that was believing. That's why the story of Rahab is so powerful and it's so interesting to me because she just, he, she wasn't just opening the doors to the messenger. I mean, there's a bunch of messengers, but it doesn't, it wasn't just the messenger. It was the message that they were carrying. Was something different about these individuals. There was something different about this Jesus. There was something different about these apostles. The Bible says that they would place they would place their garments upon people. They would they would place pieces of clothes upon certain people, and the power of God would begin to move, and virtue would begin to flow. I want to pause here and say that the garments of the church matter. And I'm talking about spiritually and physically. The garments of the church matter. The Bible says that there was a woman that passed away. And when they called Peter to pray for her, the Bible says that the ladies around her came and told Peter, look, this is the dress that she made. This is the piece of cloth that she made. This is all that she made. And that opened the door and opened the way for resurrection power to begin to flow. The church should continue in its purity and in its holiness and in its righteousness we cannot leave that aside many people believe well you can really build a church with this holiness preaching well I know for a fact that if you don't preach holiness and righteousness and purity there will be no church there will be no church the kingdom of light Against the kingdom of darkness. And this is the fight and the battle that we're looking at in this present time. The world is not scared to preach its doctrine. No matter how wicked and sinful and gross it is. They do not care if the child is three, four, five, ten. The doctrines of this world, the spirits of this world are coming up against this generation. And so the church cannot back up on what the word says. But the apostle Paul says, I have not shunned away from preaching the whole counsel of God. 
we must understand that if we want God to do something in our midst, as Rahab did and betrayed Jericho completely, we're going to have to give ourselves over to whatever this Bible says, to whatever the word says. We might not necessarily agree with everything that it says, and we're going to get to that place. But the Bible says, submit yourselves. There is no instruction for an elder or a pastor or anybody in ministry to submit you. You have to submit yourselves. You know, the Bible in the New Testament talks about submitting, and it's always followed by the same word, always, and it's yourselves. Always. I think we understand, you know, submission, having two missions, one under the other, submission. But there can be a place that we can get to where we're not just submitting to the word, but we're in agreement to the word. We are agreeing with the men of God. I'm not just submitted to Brother Hart. I am in agreement with Brother Hart. The only way that submission can work is when you're in disagreement with the mission. So you got to put your mission under the mission of your authority. But you can get to a place when you're in agreement and you're walking. How can two walk together except they agree? Well, they can through submission. But probably one will be complaining all the time. But we can get to a place of agreement with the Spirit of God the word of God, and the men of God. Now we say, well, I got in the spirit and I have the same mission. His mission has become my mission. Now it's the great commission. Now we're in agreement with what the man of God says. I'm not just submitting to it. I'm in agreement with it. At the initial points of encounter, Rahab had to submit herself she had to submit her ideas and her concepts to this new way of living with the people of Israel. She had to release everything that she had once known. She might have not agreed with anything. You have to understand, Rahab had, had been raised in a certain way. She had been raised with certain ideologies and certain perspectives. Everybody knew, everybody did what it was right within their own eyes. I mean, this was the way of living. This this is all she knew but there was something inside of Rahab that said I'm encountering a greater power and authority and I am gonna submit to that greater power and authority I've had times brother Hart that I read I read this book and I'm like, well, I've never heard it that way. Matter of fact, I've been taught against it in some churches. <laughs> I mean, I remember I went to Bible college and I just, the first day I'm learning things and I'm like, I've never heard this. I've never heard this. And there's some things that even after I left Bible college, I'm like, well, they, they kind of taught it another way in Bible college. <laughs> but I'm in this journey of wanting to be guided to all truth. 
I'm in this journey of wanting to know Jesus. And my ultimate authority is this book. It's the word of the Lord. It's the truth of the scriptures. It's Jesus Christ himself. And so even when we're in church, and I'm not advocating here to be rebellious against an organization or your pastor. Matter of fact, I'm telling you, you ought to be submitted to your man of God. But I'm also telling you that there's some things that we learn along the way of life that are not necessarily the correct principles and concept of this book. And you learn them because of where you live and where you grow up. The mindset of America. I mean, we, I'm, I'm a Hispanic young man. I was born in the, in the LA area. My parents came from Mexico City. They grew up here. They obviously had ideologies from Mexico and the way of living in Mexico. They have adopted to the way of living here in America. But when I grew up here, then I had a certain ideology and certain concepts that don't always align to the word of God. As Hispanic people, I don't know about everybody, but I can say that my parents came here for a better life. And you talk about the American dream. Nice house, nice car, nice job, being able to pay the bills, not living week to week and build a bill. And you want to have your best life now. And it's these concepts and these ideas that I'm raised in just by the simple fact I'm raised in a Hispanic home with parents that are trying to do the best of their ability to raise me and take me, send me to college. And so if I'm not careful, I will put the concepts and ideas of where I grew up in instead of the ideas and the concepts of the word of God. And so I've had to do this prayer many times. Lord, let me unlearn everything that I did not learn in your word and in your spirit. I need to be renewed. I need to be washed by the word. The ideas, the concepts. The ideas of Bible college. I love Bible college. Sister Autumn went to Bible college. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was a good time. But even ideas and concepts that I got in Bible college, they had to be washed away by the word of God. We've gone to conferences. Good conferences. Good preaching. But even some concepts that we've learned from the greatest in Pentecost. Don't align to the word of God. Don't align to what God is trying to tell us. And so there's some things that God has winked at that God has just kind of not looked at in the body for some time. But God is accelerating revelation and understanding within our time. And we have to be willing to open up the book and submit and ultimately agree with the word of God and have God be true and every man a liar to say, you know what? I believe in this book more than I believe in anything else. I believe in what he has spoken. I believe in what I, what I heard in a prayer meeting. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe in the word of the Lord. You know, and that requires you to leave some things 
that requires you, as Rahab had to do, go against her own ideologies and her own upbringings. She had to go against what she knew her entire life. She had to go against it. She had to go against it. And so all these other people had to go against many times the things that they had grown up with, the ideologies and the concepts and the things that they had always had been taught that they were right and they were correct. I think we all here grew up with ideas and things that when we get to church, we're like, man, I've been doing it all wrong. It's not that way. It's not how I should live my life. It's not how I should think or how I should speak. But we ought to have the same mind that Jesus Christ had. In the world, they say, well, you, in order for you to be successful, you got to be a crook and a cheater and all this different kind of stuff. You know, and in Bible college, we would always talk about it like finessing. You got to finesse. <laughs> and man, I mean, we, we came up with all kinds of things. I don't know. Do you guys know what Cash App is? So... People would forget their wallet whenever we would go out to eat. You know, forgot it. And so, hey, man, pay for me. I'm going to cash app you. And all right, I'll pay for him. Hey, bro, cash app me, though. Bro, cash app me. I'm not messing around. I'm not kidding. Cash app me. And so I'll get a notification. All right, I see. Okay, he cash app me. But it wasn't him sending me money. It was him requesting money. So I got a notification of cash app. And that's what we would call finesse. Because now I'm thinking, this guy sent me the money. I'm all cool with him. And then I realized, well, where's the eight bucks for this in and out that I should have in my cash app account? He just sent me a notification. And I know it's funny. And I, I'm trying to be that way on purpose. But I'm talking about. These ideologies and these concepts that we have many times to somehow be successful. Because I don't think we have ideologies and concepts to like be in the worst place. We always have ideologies and concepts to be successful and be better. But many times, unfortunately for us, those concepts and those ideologies don't align to the word of the Lord. You know what Jacob did after that encounter with the angel that many believed there was God, the offering of God? After the first thing that he did, he went over with his brother and he humbled himself. He had always been known as a cheater, as a thief. Always. And then he has this encounter with God that his name and his identity is completely changed forever. And we now know it as a nation of Israel. And the first thing that he did after that day was he went and humbled himself before his brother. Because he had, he had had an identity, even though he was part of the lineage of Abraham that had the promise. You can be in the promise and still have ideas and concepts that don't align to the word of God. And so after that encounter with God and that encounter 
that changed his identity forever. It not only changed his identity and his name, it changed the way that he was going to live his life. It was going to be a way that he was now going to walk different, literally. He was now walking different because of that encounter with God. He was now going to speak differently because of that encounter with God. He was going to act differently because of that encounter with God. Because every time you have a, a, a pure and genuine move with God and encounter with God, something within you is going to change. A place of visitation, a, a, a moment of visitation always brings within it a revelation. Always. Always. There's something, there's something that begins to shift and move and be transformed. And it's not always easy. It's not always simple. You know, I, <clears throat> in, the, in the Hispanic culture, I'll speak about the Hispanic culture in my house. It's not usually normal and not, com not common to say, I love you. That's just how. You know, you don't, I, I've never heard my grandparents say it. You know, thankfully my, my parents are now in church and they'll tell me I love you here and there. You know, I need to feel the love of my parents sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but they never want to express love. They're never wants to express love. And so the Bible says our God is love. He expresses love. He showed his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if we're not careful, these cultural mindsets and concepts will bleed into our lifestyle in the church where we cannot even tell our brother and our sister, I love you. I love you. Man, I remember I was going through some big trial at COC and I didn't know if I was going to come back. I was just going through it. I was losing my mind. And the only thing that helped me, obviously, the power of God and the grace of God, but it was through a friend of mine that came over to me, did not say anything, just hugged me. I was in that altar and he just hugged me. And I felt the love of God. I felt the love of God. I remember... For so many years, I struggled. I struggled with seeing God as my father, not because my father, my, my earthly father was not a good father, but because I was young. I remember that the stock market crashed and the economy was all bad and I was about eight or nine years old and my dad now had to get a job six hours away from where we lived and I only got to see my dad. Friday night, Saturday and Sunday morning, he would leave to his job wouldn't come back to the next Friday. <clears throat> and everything that I kind of knew, I mean, I would play soccer with my dad. I would hang out with my dad. I, everything with my dad, it's all gone. And I understand the circumstances of life, but it created certain concepts and ideas within me. Because one of the greatest manifestations of God in our life is the manifestation of a father. And my generation is lacking the understanding of God as our father because their physical image of a father is lacking and it's not good. It's corrupted. Many don't even have a father. 
And so it's hard for them to come to an altar and recognize him as their father. You realize that Jesus, when they, when, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he started with our father. Well, how are you going to say our father if your image and perspective of a father is corrupted? And so I struggled, brother. I struggled. I mean, I was, and I didn't know why I, why I was struggling. I did not know. I didn't know. I didn't know why I had certain thoughts. I didn't know why I had certain insecurities. I didn't know why I felt like, man, I, I can't, you know, I can't be used by God like I feel like God wants to use me. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I felt like I had to perform for my father to be pleased with me. That is a lie of the devil. Matter of fact, many people think they got to pray a certain amount of days or they got to fast a certain amount of days just for the father to be pleased with you. That is a lie. And if it was a lie of Pentecost, let it be a lie of Pentecost. But it is a lie to say that you got to perform for the father to be pleased with you. Our father, which is in heaven, loves you and cares for you and you don't gotta perform one bit in order for the father to be pleased with you man i prayed and i fasted i've thought that a three-day fast is gonna get me some kind of promotion with my father and one prayer meeting Oof, i remember one prayer meeting our student body president at that time got up and spoke and just said these words. You got to allow the Lord to enter into the secret chambers of your heart. Man, it just opened. It opened. I feel, I feel like the Holy Ghost is speaking to somebody here yeah. this afternoon. It opened the secret chamber of my heart and that which I had not realized that was damaging my walk with God. Now, all of a sudden, I'm realizing right in front of my face Oh my goodness, this has been damaging my walk with God for so long. And I begin to cry and I begin to weep. And the first thing that I did, I remember I grabbed my phone. I left that, sir. I, I, I went outside the building and I called my dad. He did not pick up. So I called my mom and I'm tearing up. I'm crying and I'm just pouring out my heart to her. And I had to ask forgiveness. Because of the emotions that I felt against my dad, not even realizing it. I didn't even realize I would talk to my dad. You know, I can count. I, I have a great dad and I have a great relationship with my dad. I'm not, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying here. But even the simple fact, I would only talk to my dad. I talked to my dad countless amount of times when I was in COC, but always I would always talk to my dad through my mom's phone. I would never call him. And he wouldn't really call me. If I ever talked to my dad, it was because my mom called me. And I, was, I would ask for my dad or my dad would ask about me. And I did not realize why that was. I even remember if my dad, I, he called me. He called me about, I would probably say about 10 times when I was in my four years of COC. Like him call me, actually call me. Like I said, I talked to my dad countless amount of times but that he called me, that I checked my phone and it said, dad. I remember one time, if my mom would have called me in service, I would have just texted her, hey, I'm in service. I'll call you later. But if my dad called me in service, it got to be important. I'm going to step out. 
because of the perspectives that I had. And man, if I miss this call, you better be mad at me. <laughs> Thinking like I had to perform some kind of way. And until I was healed, I talked to my dad about it. And I, we had such an amazing moment. And I realized that that had caused certain things in my walk with God that were limiting me in my approach to the throne of God. My approach to him. The Bible says that everything is naked. Everything. It's transparent upon the eyes of God. Everything. And, you know, talking spiritually, I mean, if somebody can see every single one of your thoughts and every single one of your hearts, I mean, I, I try to be the most pure man I can, the most holy and righteous man I, I can. But let's be honest, many times you got certain thoughts and you got certain things and certain. And if my father were to see, I wouldn't want him to see it. I don't want people to see that. I don't want people to walk down the dark alleys of my heart and into the secret chambers of my heart. But the Bible doesn't stop there when it talks about everything is naked upon his eyes. It gets to talking about going to the throne of grace. For we have a high priest that can be touched. The feeling of our infirmities. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin. We can enter into the throne of grace. Yeah. How? Boldly. Yeah. Right. That when I'm trying to hide because of my thoughts and my insecurities and my failures and, my, and the things in my life that are not all that perfect and not all that correct. All of a sudden, I find myself in this scripture and God is telling me, telling me that I can come to the throne of grace boldly. I can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and obtain grace when in the time of need. In the time of need. You see, that's a perspective that we have all wrong many times within our cultural background because it says, well, you got to act tough and you got to act like you got it all together and you better not let anybody know that you're struggling. I'm telling you, the church of the living God is a safe place to struggle because when you're struggling, you're battling and you're fighting. You're making an effort to go to do better and to get closer to God. We think, well, nobody should know. I got to put a suit on and I believe in dressing right and all that kind of stuff, but I'm trying to make a point here that we're trying to get it all together on the outside and we're breaking on the inside and the same perspective that we have on the outside we can place on the inside well i gotta act like i got it all figured out within god i gotta let god think i got it all together and God is waiting for you and telling you, you got to die to those ideologies and come closer to me. You got to have a determination. I'm going to have a move of God. I'm going to have an encounter with God. I'm going to allow God to break the things in my life and enter into the secret chambers of my heart. It might not be easy. It might not be simple. But Rahab had to betray Jericho. And we're going to have to betray certain concepts and ideas 
got to betray them. <clears throat> you know, she, this woman, Rahab, she did what she had to do. She understood the land was going to be given to the people of God. And so either she was going to, she was going to get on the ship or she was going to drown. That's only two options she had. I mean, that's, that's the only option we got. <laughs> I know. Um, well, the Bible doesn't just leave her name there, but we find her name in several, several other places. Several other places. Did you know that Jesus Christ comes from the direct lineage of Rahab? Did you know that she's actually mentioned as a woman of faith in Hebrews chapter 11? And even James mentions her as a woman that believed and was justified. That after she betrayed her ideologies and concepts and her upbringing, God didn't just leave her on the side and said, well, you're not part of us. No, no. Or you have a determination. You're part of this now. Mary's a man. Jesus Christ comes out of that lineage. David comes out of the lineage. Jesus comes out of that lineage. And we find her in the chapter of faith in the book of Hebrews. Yeah. And it all started with a determination. I am going to go against everything that I once knew was right. And I'm going to go all in with what God wants and what God wants me to do and what God wants me to believe. I'm telling you, there's some things in this church and there's some individuals in this church that God is asking you to give up. And you might think, well, if I give that up, well, what, you know, how, how am I going to succeed? How am I going to make it? I'm telling you, if you give up certain things that God is calling you to give up and betray and sacrifice God will not forget about you, but God is going to honor your sacrifice and your commitment and your determination. When the spirit of the Lord begins to move, you're not just going to feel the spirit of the Lord. You're going to feel the virtue flowing inside your body and you're going to be made whole. You're going to cause Jesus Christ to turn his head and say, who touched me? Who touched me? pray here for just a moment and exercise our determination and our faith and our hunger towards God. If we can all stand here in this house. I believe God wants wanting to do something powerful. I believe God is going to begin to walk through the aisles of this church building and through this altar. And as he begins to walk, he's going to desire for somebody to touch him with faith that will cause him to turn his head and his face towards you. Say, my virtue is going to flow in you and you're going to be made whole. I'm not just comfortable 
with feeling the power of God. I need the virtue and the force of God to be exerted upon my life. And look, hear me for just a few moments. I'm done. We're going to come to this altar. We're going to pray. God's going to do something amazing. But I want you to understand the fact that throughout the scriptures, the Bible keeps calling Rahab a harlot. That's on purpose. Wanting to give you an understanding, this woman was in the lowest of lowest. Her mind had been corrupted. Her heart had been corrupted. Her way of living had been corrupted. She was a harlot. But when she had a determination, and she made up her mind, Something happened within her. And Solomon, the one that married her, I believe no longer looked at her as a harlot. God didn't look at her as a harlot. Even in Hebrews, though, the Bible says that Rahab, the harlot, why, why, why do you keep, why does the scripture continue in telling us this woman was a harlot? The transparency of the scriptures in telling us that even a person that is in the lowest parts of society can have a determination so great that when she lifts up her hand, God would draw nigh unto her. It doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. That it doesn't matter what you've done in your past. When you receive the messenger with the message and you allow the message to continue its course through eternity into your life. When the times and seasons come to an interaction and all of a sudden you have a divine moment, the Kairos, the window of opportunity. This woman had one window, one opportunity, one time. It was this Kairos. This time, Kairos, meaning time in Greek. But this window. This time, this pocket, this is it. There will be no more. She does not do what she, what she did. She's dying. It's done. It's over. And so I'm not just speaking here to individuals. I'm speaking to this church as a whole. Because we're getting ready to approach a Kairos. Or we're going to have to put aside all the concepts and all the ideas of how we thought God was going to do it. And we're going to have to understand, well, I've heard it in the past. God, God delivered some people out of Egypt. I love Brother Cole's stories. I love them. I, I love hearing them. I love Brother Haney's stories. I love your stories. I love my pastor's stories. But there's going to have to come a time where I'm going to have a kairos with God 
that I'm going to have to decide, well, I've heard it about Brother Hart, and I've heard it about Brother Cole, and I've heard about my pastor. Well, I'm going to have to make up in my mind. I'm going to have to step into it too. And so it is with this church. We've heard it about other places and we've heard it about other regions and we've heard about God pouring out his spirit in a great way and a lot of people getting the Holy Ghost and a lot of people getting baptized. And we hear it about Ethiopia and we're hearing it about Kenya and we're hearing it about all these places and we're hearing it. I'm getting ready to go to India in a few weeks and I'm excited about that. But there's just something within me, a burden within me that I said, I love that it's happening in India and I love that it's happening around the world. But I also believe that it can happen in the city that I'm at all I gotta do is betray the thoughts that say well it can happen here I don't know if it's gonna happen with me I've heard about the miracles with some other people I've heard about cancers being healed I've heard about eyes being opened I heard about lame walking I've heard about all that but I'm gonna have to betray the concept I don't know if it's gonna happen with me I'll ask you, why not you? Why can't God use you? Why can't God show himself powerful to you? Why not? If God can do it with the heartless, that determination, what is hindering you? This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a step of faith here in this moment. And we're going to come to this altar and we're going to express our faith to our God. And we're going to express our faith to the Lord God Almighty and tell him, God, I want you to do it in my life. I want you to do it in, in my mind. I've heard it about it before. I want you to do it in me. I want you to do it in me. And I would want to ask for the families with your family come to this altar. I want the families to come. I believe God's going to do something supernatural here in just a few moments. So Brother Ethan can help me. <clears throat> We're going to exercise our faith in just a few moments. You can, you can start coming. Start coming to this altar. We're going to seek the face of God and we're going to seek what he wants for our life. God can do it with Rahab. All she had to have was a determination. She had to have a determination. God can do it with her. God can do it with us. I'm telling you in this church, in this region, we're going to see the lame walk, the mute speak, the deaf hear, the